Welcome to the Left Hand Church Podcast. My name's Paula Stone-Williams, and I'm one of the co-pastors here. We're so glad that you're with us. We love having you join us here at Left Hand. We would love it if you would join us in a financial way as well. You can text any amount to 84321, and we'll receive it. You also can go to our website, lefthandchurch.org, and you can find out there how you can donate. Every time we begin a service, we begin with these words. Married, divorced, and single here. It's one family that mingles here. Conservative and liberal here. We've all got to give a little here. Big and small here. There's room for us all here. Doubt and belief here. We all can receive here. LGBTQ and straight here. There is no hate here. Woman, non-binary, and man here. Everyone can here. Whatever your race here, for all of us, grace here. In imitation of the ridiculous love Almighty God has for each of us and all of us, let us live and love without labels. So about four weeks ago, I went to the doctor for what I assumed was a typical doctor's appointment. But by the time I left, I was not feeling so good about it because the doctor told me I had to have three different tests and see two additional physicians, including a surgeon. Now, after the fact, everything is just fine. I'm doing fine, not not to worry. But at the moment, I felt incredible fear. My hands became sweaty. I was breathing shallowly. My heartbeat was racing. There was dryness in the back of my throat. And my fear showed quite clearly on my face. In fact, a lot of you have known me for a good long while. And you are, in fact, aware that my face is like a children's novel. It's very easy to read. You know this already about me. I was filled with fear. Did you know that fear is one of, oh, we'll basically say six basic emotions? You know what it is that separates the emotions from everything else? Emotions are an external stimuli that brings an internal physiological response. That's how we define emotions. There are six, maybe seven, eight of them. Shandy can talk to you about the other two that I won't be talking about tonight. But of the basic emotions, what we call an emotion is an external stimuli that brings a physiological response in our being, something that can be measured, like sweaty palms, rapid heartbeat, shallow breathing. But we not only have emotions, by the way, the emotions are created by our amygdala. They're created by our midbrain. We really don't have a choice in the arrival of these emotions. They just come without the approval of our cerebral cortex. But we also have feelings. And feelings are how our cerebral cortex responds to the emotions our body is experiencing. Our feelings are triggered by our emotions. We have these emotional experiences, our body responds in ways that can be measured to these emotions, and then we have feelings about them. And the feelings we have that are triggered by these emotions are very specific to each of us and to our experience in life. So when the doctor told me I had to have all these tests and see all these physicians, the feeling that I had immediately was panic. Panic followed by overwhelmment, followed by despair. And you're thinking to yourself, seriously? Panic? 
overwhelmment and despair just from finding out that you have to have some tests and go to some additional physicians? Yes. Those are my feelings because my feelings are based on my own personal experience. And in my own situation, when I became ill as a child, my mother would immediately assume I was going to die and would be telling everyone I was going to die. And she would, in fact, guess what? Panic and be overwhelmed and go into immediate despair. So, of course, she gave that to me. It's what we call intergenerational trauma. All of us experience it. You know, as a therapist, you don't really work with people on their emotions. Emotions just come. They have to accept the emotions that come to them. You work with the people on their feelings. Because often our feelings, which are very valid because they're our feelings, those feelings are not responding in, in a way that's healthy for us to the emotions we're experiencing. So why do I mention all of this? Oh, because this is, in fact, the darkest season of the year. It's the darkest time of the year. I always can't wait till the 21st because now the sun will start setting a little bit further, further to the north each night. I cannot wait for it every single year. But it's also because this is, in fact, a dark season. All of us during this season have all of the emotions coming to us, and a fair number of those emotions are, in fact, negative emotions. They're the more difficult emotions for us to deal with. And the feelings they trigger can be absolutely overwhelming to us. So how, as people of faith, specifically for most of us in our environment as Christians of faith, how can we in fact get through this season by dealing with our emotions in ways that are healthy for us and by dealing with the feelings that are triggered by those emotions? Well, I think the way we start which might be a little confusing, is understanding the Trinity. The historic teaching that has been accepted by most of Christianity that there is in fact one God with three different manifestations of that God. There's God the Creator, God the Spirit, and God the Christ. First, God the Creator. You've heard me talk about this a lot. God creator, the creator who burst on the scene 14 billion years ago in all of God's complexity, mystery, and ever-expansiveness, rooted in relationship and grounded in love. You've heard me use the same language time and again. The first part of that is defining the Big Bang. And the last part of that's the part that excites me. Because in the last generation, two of the discoveries of quantum mechanics are, first of all, that the only basic building blocks of the universe are relationships. That the building blocks of the universe are not, in fact, made of matter, but the building blocks of the universe could be described as a pattern of relationships between non-material entities. The building blocks of the universe, a pattern of relationships. So if, in fact, the building blocks of the universe are a pattern of relationships, then, in fact, the most powerful force in the universe is love. So it's a way of saying, scientifically accurately, that what the Apostle John said in the first century is true, that God is love. That's God the Creator, but there's also God the Spirit. And God the Spirit is the great comforter. But did you know that God as Spirit is also the repository for all six of those emotions? And what are the emotions? Fear, I've already mentioned. Happiness. Sadness, anger, and 
Now, there are roughly 150 feelings or experiences that go along with that. Brene Brown, in her excellent new book, Atlas of the Heart, talks about over 80 of them. But those are the basic emotions that bring physiological responses from us. Happiness, sadness, anger, fear, disgust, and surprise. And all of these live, exist, in the realm of the spirit. They are all, in fact, part of spirit. These are phenomena that have been around since the beginning of time. And these phenomena come to us whether we want them to arrive or not. And they particularly come to us at this time of the year and they bring their bags and stay in the guest room. And they mess up the guest room and eat our food and drink our eggnog. And we are not happy to have most of them arriving. And we need to understand when these emotions arrive, it is in fact spirit arriving. And it is in fact holy. So when you feel anger, that anger is holy. Many of us were raised as evangelical Christians and taught that we were never allowed to be angry. But you know what? The Bible talks about God being angry five times as often as it talks about man being angry. Our anger is, in fact, holy. When our midbrain tells us to be angry, it's because we should be angry. And we need to allow it to come in. We need to welcome that anger. The same thing is true with sadness. The losses are real. And when people say to us, you need to get over this, those people don't know that they're real. There was a great article in this morning's New York Times about the fact that we've always thought the way through grief and mourning was linear, and it's not. It begins with six different steps, but it starts with finding meaning in the relationship that was lost, and it ends in finding meaning again and anew in the relationship that was lost. So it's more circular. And it's all right for us to experience the emotion of that loss, of the sadness. It's all right for us to feel disgust. Disgust is, in fact, also holy. It is our moral sensibilities having been violated, and they are appropriate responses for us. And yes, even happiness, because so many of us think we're not allowed to be happy, because whenever we showed happiness as a child, our father literally slapped it out of us. Happiness is holy. All of these emotions are holy. And they've been around since the beginning of time. Rumi in the 13th century had this to say about them. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival. A joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. They may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. That's Rumi in the 13th century. Humans have been experiencing these basic emotions since the beginning of time. They are, in fact, a part of the Holy Spirit, and they are holy. And you say, but also, 
You just said a few minutes ago that the Spirit is the great comforter. Mm -hmm. The Spirit is the great comforter. Because not only does the Spirit say to us, you must allow these emotions in, the Spirit also says to the emotions, it's time to go. Your welcome is over. Pack your bags and get out. We all know that remaining too angry for too long, well, the feast at that, the food at that feast is our own being that we're devouring. So the Spirit comforts us in both asking us to allow these emotions in and telling these emotions when it's time to leave so that we can continue with our lives. And what is the force that allows the Spirit to tell us when and where these emotions are to leave? Uh, that's the third part of the Trinity. It's the Christ. The Christ has been with us since the beginning of the Trinity, since before the beginning of time. God the Creator, God the Spirit, and God the Christ. What is the Christ? The Christ is prophet, priest, and king. The Christ is that of which there ain't no witcher. The Christ is the greatest power that exists in the universe, suffuses every tiny atom in the universe, is with us and has been with us since the beginning of time and will be with us through the end of time. The Christ is love, is the truth that God is love. That yes, all these emotions that come to us and all of our personal attendant feelings that come during this most difficult season of the year is all made right by the power of love. So who is this Jesus then? Oh, that's where the Christian teaching becomes rather specific. Because we say Jesus is when all three, God, Spirit, and Christ, decided the time was right in the history of man for Christ, love, to become personified in a person, in the person of Jesus, Jesus the Christ. Never was Jesus' last name, by the way. Jesus the Christ. The Christ, love that permeates all of creation, coming in the form of a person who shows us how to live, who shows us how to be angry, shows us how to be happy, sad, how to be filled with disgust, surprise, what fear looks like. Father, let this cup be. It's Jesus who comes to show us that the emotions are holy. It's Jesus who comes to show solidarity with us in the midst of our pain and our suffering. It is the Christ coming as an infant to say to us, love wins. Above all, love wins. So this past, past Wednesday, I finished my last test, saw my last physician. I was at home waiting for the report to come from the doctor, and I was sitting in my favorite big overstuffed chair, looking at my favorite view from that chair, six clay pots that sit up above the kitchen cabinets. Sometimes I think of those pots being full of my children's love, my grandchildren's love. Sometimes those pots seem full of pain. Sometimes they seem utterly empty. 
this particular day, they were full of pain, fear. So Kathy came in, my former wife, who is also my work partner. We are therapists together, and we have an office at the house that I live in, our former house together. And she came to see a client in person, and she took one look at my face, you know, the face that's like a children's novel, and said, oh, you're not okay. And I said, ah, oh, I spent all those years married to you, letting you feel my emotions for me. Now I have to feel them myself, and I'm not all that grounded. What would you do right now? She said, well, I would stare at the pots. I would let them be empty, and I would see what fills them. And she said, and, this might sound a little weird, but I would ask the angels and spirit guides to come around you. I thought, okay. So I asked the angels to come around me. It was Wednesday. You remember Wednesday? The wind was already blowing, and now it started blowing so hard, the hardest I have ever seen it blow in Lyons, 75 mile an hour winds, rattling the window panes. I went and looked out the glass from our office at the mountains beyond, and they looked like a landscape from some other planet, Mars maybe, or, or the Dust Bowl of the 1930s. I sat back down in that chair. I turned around and looked at the trees bending and bending in the wind. It was so loud, and Rilke came to mind just as spirit often speaks to me through the poems I've memorized. Rilke's The Man Watching came to mind, the longest, hardest poem I've ever memorized. I can tell by the way the trees beat after so many dull days on my worried window panes that a storm is coming. And I feel the far off fields say things I cannot bear without a friend. I cannot love without a sister. I thought, yeah, Kathy's here, no longer my spouse, but my friend, my sister, helping me bear this pain, this fear that I feel. The landscape, like a line from the psalm book, is seriousness and weight and eternity. The storm, the shifter of shapes, drives on across the woods and across time, and the landscape like a line from the psalm book is seriousness and weight and eternity. If that's not what Wednesday looked like, tell me what would. When we win, it's with small things. And the triumph itself makes us small. What is extraordinary and eternal does not want to be bent by us. Does not want to be bent by us. I knew that I would not remember this since I was stopping so much in the middle. So now you'll see me do something you rarely see me do. Refer back to my notes. What we choose to fight is so tiny. What fights us is so great. If we will only let ourselves be dominated, as things are by some immense storm, then we could become strong too and not be need names. If only we would let ourselves be dominated, as things are by some immense storm, then we could become strong too and not need names. I looked at those trees again. I looked at the trees. They survive because they're not rigid. They survive because they've learned to bend in the wind. 
If only we would let ourselves be dominated as things are by some imminent storm, then we could become strong too and not need names. Wouldn't he win us with small things? And the triumph itself makes us small. I mean the angel who appeared before the wrestler in the Old Testament. When the wrestler's sinews grew long like metal strings, the angel felt them under his fingers like chords of deep music. Whoever was beaten by that angel, though often the angel simply declined the fight. He's talking here about Jacob, that scoundrel who stole his brother's birthright, that scoundrel who took his in-laws' kitchen sink and everything else from their household. He's talking about Jacob, who finally found himself in a wrestling match with God. Whoever was beaten by that angel, though often the angel simply declined the fight, God won't make you fight with God. You can say no thanks. You have to be the one to allow your suffering to be assimilated into suffering. Whoever was beaten by that angel, though often the angel simply declined the fight, whoever was beaten by that angel went away proud and strengthened and great from that harsh hand that needed him as if to change his shape. Winning does not tempt that woman. This is how she grows, by being defeated decisively by a greater being. For a few minutes at least, I sat there, and those clay pots were full, full with reality of my body and its ability to fail me, full of the reality that over the month before I'd made a lot of decisions that I really regretted, full of the reality that we are all broken beings, but full of the truth that love wins. So we take the words of the most left-brain didactic patriarchal writer in all of scripture and speaking to the most troubled church in the face of the earth at the time, these were his words. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong, clanging cymbal, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, yeah, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Love, it's patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. It is the fourth Sunday of Advent, and love wins. God, thank you. Thank you for coming to us in the form of Christ, who is love. The creator, who is love. Spirit, the great comforter, who is love. And may we, in this sometimes very dark season, rest in the truth of the power of love. Amen. This is John Gaddis. I'm one of the co-pastors here at Left Hand Church. As you listen to this teaching, we hope it was a reminder that the love of God is bigger, more inclusive, and 
filled with more grace than any of us can imagine. There is truly room for us all here. If you have any questions about Left Hand Church or this teaching, please email me at john at lefthandchurch.org. You can also tune into our live stream services on our church Facebook page every Sunday at 5 p.m. Mountain for great music and original teachings. Thank you for joining us.